congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not commit adultery. There's a very short commandment, and it does therefore not leave a whole lot of room for misinterpretation. Adultery is detestable to the Lord because marriage is very much a precious part of his creation. When the Lord was finished with the creation of light, of life, and of beauty, the world was one great manifestation of his love, of his power, and his love for beauty, of his wisdom and majesty. And then he desired to crown all that by making man. And so man had to become more wonderful, more splendid than anything else God so wonderfully and beautifully created. Man therefore must be created in his own image, after his own likeness. God created Adam, and Adam, then being God's image bearer, was to be the ruler over all that God had created, but not before God made him complete by creating a helper suitable for him. And so, in Genesis 1, verse 27, we read what you could call the wedding song of the Holy Spirit. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That was how he created man in his image. Marriage is therefore so, so very special. And it is therefore that it is attacked by Satan more than anything else. It, it is, I don't think it is necessary to start listing in what all perverse ways marriage is under attack in our society. You are reading the newspapers too, you're listening to the radio and you're watching TV and so, you know, it's terrible. And it is not superstitious at all to see behind it all Satan working hard. He always has been and he always will continue to attack anything that is holy and especially anything that has to do with the image of God. Satan works hard to destroy the bride of Christ the church. Hard he works to destroy what's supposed to be a visible example of the relationship between Christ and his church. Satan is against a good marriage. And he works hard. Let's begin by keeping that in mind. Now it's true we we should understand this commandment against adultery in such a way that it covers as a heading a whole category of related sins. And that therefore also covers, like our catechism just said, all unchastity. That's why we read in 
Ephesians 5, verse 3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Among you, that is among the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there must not be a hint of sexual immorality because sexual immorality will ultimately destroy not only marriage, everything. Sexual immorality and sexual promiscuity is widespread in our society. It's widespread also among young, unmarried people. It's certainly one of the causes of the breakdown of so many young marriages in the first years. That's why all sexual immorality is directly related to the commandment you shall not commit adultery all of which caused the apostle Paul to say in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God so let's look at the Lord's day Lord's day 41 under the theme our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and then we will see first that that's a gift of grace. And second, that is also a great responsibility. First on, that our body being a temple of the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace. First of all, when in the beginning God created man, we read that he formed man from the dust of the earth. And that then God blew into his nostrils, we read that in Genesis he blew into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, the word translated breath of life is in the Hebrew the same, the, the, the word ruach, which also means spirit. And I'm not saying that the translation breath of life is wrong, but since the Hebrew word ruach also means spirit, we must understand that the breath of life was God's spirit. God breath, breathed his spirit into man, and so man became a living being. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life. It's the spirit of life. And so, right in the beginning, before the fall into sin, man already was a temple of God, the Holy Spirit. And it was in that way that God saw all that he had made, See, it was very good. Man was the temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life. Now we also know from the second chapter of the Bible that God had said to Adam that he was allowed to eat from every tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For if he would eat of it, he would surely die. Now, surely dying meant that the breath of life the life-giving spirit will be taken away from Adam. And we all know what happened. Adam did eat from the tree, and at that moment, the Holy Spirit, the bread of life, departed from Adam. Adam, and with him, all his descendants became subject to death. To spiritual death, to physical death, to eternal death. And always under the power of Satan. 
and God would have been totally justified, he would have left it by that. He had warned them. But God, who is not only the God of justice, but also the God of grace, did not leave it by us. He sought and he found Adam and Eve who were hiding from, from him, and he gave them the promise that their seed would crush Satan's head. Satan then already could not stand it that man was a temple of God the Holy Spirit. He needed to separate that. And for a time, he succeeded. And from the rest of the Bible, we have we learned that that seed promised to Adam and Eve was to be God's only begotten son who would become man in order to take the punishment for sin, that he would take death upon himself for anyone who would believe in him and in the promises of God. And in this way, justice and grace, of justice and grace, God opened the way for man to be temples of the Holy Spirit again. It was justice towards Christ who took our place. It was grace to us who believe in him and so belong to him. And to all of us who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives his Holy Spirit to remain in us forever. To reform our image more and more into the image of God's only son, who is God over all, and who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In that image we are formed. Now, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit again. Now, all this, we could, of course, consider in, in, in a very spiritual way. And then a lot at the place in what we sometimes call our spiritual life. We, we do that. We separate that. We have a spiritual life. We have a physical life. We do that. But we should not do this. And we should not do this, first of all, because we should not... Make a separation where God hasn't made one. As God's, as God's people, all of our life, spiritual as well as physical, is one life lived before the face of God. And all of it, and now we come back to the, to the content of our commandment, all of it surely includes the sexual part of our lives. Our sexual life, however intimate, however secret, is not sinful. We need to, go, need to be convinced of that. It's part of our life as a gift of God. Male, that's what it says, male and female we created. That was not a mistake. And since it is God's gift, given to us by divine wisdom, it's obvious that also that part of our life ought to be governed by God's rule. Our whole body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that includes those parts that make the difference between a man and a woman. And it's therefore, as I indicated before, that the seventh commandment is the heading, as it were, of all God's rules for our sexuality, the way that we express it before him. We, body and spirit, 
are temples of the Holy Spirit, and that's God's gift of grace. And therefore, we must not commit adultery or any sexual immorality, for it all threatens merits, which is holy, which is special. And that's what we'll see in our second point, that it is a great responsibility. It's a great responsibility to be temples of the Holy Spirit. Well, we are of course all, we are appalled when we see all the sexual perversion that takes place in the world. It's part of the reason why this world is under God's judgment and condemnation, under God's curse. As a matter of fact, reading Romans 1, beginning at verse 18, we learn that it is actually that all the sexual immorality in our world is God's judgment already. God has given them over to that. That's part of the judgment. Beginning. So he you could say that from the world, from those without Christ, we can expect a lot of unchastity and immorality. But it must certainly not count for us, as we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. God has a much different standard for his own people. And we already can read that in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, where the Lord says to his people... Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And the apostle applies this to God's people in the New Testament. As he writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And with this in the background... We can read Leviticus 18. But the Lord says you must not do as they do in Egypt. The people of Israel were just out of Egypt, at Mount Sinai. And he said you must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow the practices. And then, following this, the Lord lists for 18 verses long all sorts of sexual sins, which were in the world of that time already common practice. You must not do so, he said, because you are people holy unto me. A different standard. The Lord, for his people, they are special to him. That's what the Apostle Paul so clearly says in the New Testament, among you there should not be even a hint of an immorality. And they should read that again. Among you, there should not even be an end of sexual immorality. From people, from his people, the Lord requires holiness also in that sexual part of our life. Especially so, I would say. And since the commandment itself addresses adultery, which takes place only when a married person is, in, is involved, We'll pay some attention first to those who are married. The Lord requires holiness also between married couples. And such holiness finds its expression in the way we read it in Ephesians 6. That a man loves his wife as the Lord loves his church. 
that the church submits to the Lord as a woman submits to her husband. But so what does it all mean in our intimate life together? It means that married couples for their intimate life remember that they are temples of the Holy Spirit. The intimacy is, is a marriage gift of God. But such intimacy is not supposed to be as it is with those without God the Holy Spirit. It must not be consuming, but of building. It must not be crude, but tender. Not degrading, but respectful. Not selfish, but serving and caring. It must be serving the greater goal of unity. Serving the goal of more complete trust in each other. Serving the goal of an unconditional love for each other. Ultimately serving the goal of portraying the unity and the love between Christ and his church. Should serve that purpose. You should not commit adultery. also means that in marriage you have to be faithful, sexually faithful with your whole body. Not only in your deeds, but also with your eyes. The Lord Jesus said that if you look at a woman lustfully, you already have committed adultery in your heart. And that counts, of course, for women too. The other way. If there is adultery in your heart already, then it is only a matter of time and it will show up. It will. One way or another. Because of TV and even more, the computer, looking at other women or men, this form of adultery, pornography, has become a huge problem among many Christian couples. Way bigger the problem than you think. For the world of tears are being shared by men and women who feel betrayed in this way. But a host of frustrated sighs have been uttered by those who have become slaves of that sin. Because an addiction. It's so destructive. It's so unholy. So Sinful, so satanic. There is so much pull to watch that sin. Now, can nobody else as Satan be on the other end? Pulling, 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 tempting, tempting. If anyone here struggles with this sin and its addiction, Please seek help. Don't be too proud. You're in trouble. You're in great, deep trouble. Seek help. Find ways not to be alone with your computer. And whatever you do, do not continue, for it is a certain path toward the destruction of yourself and of everyone and everything that's dear to you. It's an affront against God, whom you love. 
so destructive. Seek the Lord and ask him to deliver you and to forgive you. Ask the forgiveness of those whom you already have hurt. For there is forgiveness. Your sins are not too grave, not too immortal to be forgiven. Also for the sin of adultery, there is much forgiveness for those who repent. The Lord Jesus sought and found a woman who had already five husbands and was living with a man who was not her husband. And for her and for her salvation and forgiveness of sins, he had to go through Samaria and he went. So if you're in trouble, go to him, find help with a brother or sister or a family member that you trust. But don't continue destroys your marriage. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now for adults who are not married, being a temple of the Holy Spirit means that you must remain without sexual intimacy. It's not easy. Especially not in a time when dating services offer the so discreet and so tempting assistance to join you to a world lost in lust and fornication. Nobody is going to know about it. It's all discreet. God knows. Can't hide anything from him. And even without those dating services, staying pure when you're single and an adult is, is not easy. The, the Lord said once, it is not good for man to be alone. Well, it counts for women too. It is not good for women to be alone either. And, and, and some, some men and some women have received that singleness as a gift of the Lord in order to serve him in a special way. But many others have not. And, and, and that singleness means loneliness, the cross which you have to carry if they follow Christ. But you too are a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Lord loves you. And he will provide for you. Stay close to him. He will help to keep yourself pure. He is able to fill any and, and every empty place. And the Holy Spirit, who is within you, will one day present you with a spot and wrinkle before your bridegroom. Lord Jesus Christ, who bought you with his blood. Young people, listen. If it is any, then it is you who Satan wants to convince that nothing really is bad. Nothing really is immoral. If any of you would go to a public school, you will find out that keeping yourself pure is nerdy, uh, is nerdy and is weird. Not cool. You live in a world, young people, in where being intimate with whoever you feel like is considered normal and cool. Where an evening out is just closed off by having sex. They just name it by the name so you know what I'm talking about. It's normal. And if you would say that you don't want that, they think you're weird. 
It is not normal. It is a lie believed by many whose life have become a horrible mess before they even turn 20. It's the reason why so many young people go into a marriage with a perverted and a bizarre picture in their heart of what marriage is all about and what sex is all about. They want to break up within one or two years because it is not what they thought it was. You young brothers and sisters are the temples of the Holy Spirit and it is by grace that you are that. It is a grace for which you, Lord and Savior, died. It is your great responsibility before the Lord to keep yourselves pure, to surround yourselves with friends who have the same goal. And also to be a light to those who are in the darkness of immorality. You just need to fear sexual immorality as something that is fired off at you by Satan in order to destroy the rest of your life. Satan, Satan designed it that way. He made it for that purpose. Keeping yourself pure is, is what you had to pray for before you go on a date. It's what couples that are engaged to be married must pray for when they are together. Keeping yourself pure, it begins so much earlier than the moment that you would have to say, no, I don't want to go that far. It begins with your speech. Should be clean. Should sexual filthy language or for that matter any crude language come from the door of the Holy Spirit's temple? Winning people's respect for your Christian morals begins right with your speech. And yes, I know you probably roll your eyes, but the way you dress. And it counts for the boys as well as for, for, for girls. That should, the way you dress should never be, whatever it is, it should never be an invitation for anyone to start fantasizing of what you really look like. Never mind, never mind what's considered to be fashion or cool. You are. Your body, the temple, your body is a temple of God the Holy Spirit. And so that temple cannot be dressed up as an invitation to immorality. Though, believe me, those people who design fashion and who judge what's cool do not have temples of the Holy Spirit in mind when they do their designing and their judging. So as with any sin, also sins against the seventh commandment begin in our mind, in our hearts, and it is there where we already have to resist them, and the only way we can do that, that is by prayer. Brothers and sisters, we don't pray enough for those things. We always think that Sin, as we talked about this afternoon, that happens to somewhere out there, not to us. It happened to us, one way or another. That's, those sins have affected all of us here, if we wanted to know it or not. We're praying. 
the Lord will deliver you from that evil one. A life that is lived in thankfulness to the Lord our God is a life that strives to be pure. That, why? Because he has chosen us. You. He's chosen you to be temples of the Holy Spirit. He's chosen you to be his special people upon he wants to pour out grace upon grace. Brothers and sisters, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may be declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And therefore you strive, and you ask the Lord to give you the strength to live lives in which there is not even a hint of immorality, in which, but in which it may be evident that you are temples of God the Holy Spirit. Amen.